You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Great. Camera folks, I don't know if you can get a close-up. Give me a thumbs up if you can remote, remote that lens read in there. This is from first service. You can't see it here in the building. This is from Blake uh, um, Dyer, and he was here with his family in first service, and we have the Cheshire Box and Kids Color, and they can get something out of there. I just want online. Give, give me a thumbs up if you're getting that. Yeah. Yeah? Roxanne, am I, are you getting that? No, nobody's giving me a thumbs up from the cameras. I don't know. Oh, you can see it? Oh, okay, good. So that's, it's, that's Pastor Roy. It says, follow God, not the devil. All right. It says, great, great pastor. Yeah. And, then, and then they captured Christina, too. And so uh, Blake, Blake did. And uh, how great. She, there's some, some lyrics from this morning. How great is your love? And uh, it says, great singer. We just appreciate our kids. And uh, I, I love that drawing. That's just so cool. Love that, John. Hey, uh, this, is, uh, this is the Triumphal Entry Sunday, Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to you. And we're on part two, uh, let's bring them to Jesus, but another celebration this morning, tomorrow, so today, actually today is my number two son's birthday, it's Andrew's birthday, so shout out to my son Andrew, uh, who's 32, I believe, today, and uh, next year, 33, you'll be the same age Jesus was when he died, not saying that there's any thing that goes along with that or thing, but, um, and, uh, no, that wasn't funny. And, and, uh, but tomorrow, Harvest Christian Fellowship, we are 18 years old. Tomorrow, 18 years old. Happy birthday, Harvest. And I don't know where 18 years went. They went fast. Today uh, is Let's Bring Them to Jesus Part 2. We're getting ready for our Easter uh, celebration, and we uh, always, uh, uh, on Easter Sunday, and Christmas as well, and different times during the year, we put on a special emphasis for people who are unchurched, first-timers in the building, maybe a second-timer, but we believe they are great opportunities for people to hear the gospel and to come to Jesus. And so we're calling this Let's Bring Them to Jesus. And uh, in this series, you might say, well, Pastor Roy, we're just kind of bringing them to a building, bringing them to a service. Last week, I encourage you from the scriptures to see, but Jesus is in our services. He's here by his Holy Spirit. We saw evidence of that as we need to recognize Jesus, be willing to be a runner, carry people because they won't come in on their own, and, uh, and then believe that Jesus is going to touch them. And so this week, I want to continue that idea as we get ready, and you are a bringer, and you'll bring people uh, next week to Jesus, not just to an Easter service. How many have uh, some stories you could tell as parents about your kids uh, in the restaurant? Your kids in a restaurant. Hands going up pretty good. How about you're here, and you have stories you could tell about somebody else's kids in a restaurant. Yeah, okay. Online, you probably have lots of stories this morning about kids in restaurants, uh, and uh, I want to read you a couple stories here that I thought were pretty funny. I'll share them with you. And uh, we're talking about bring them to Jesus. Here's the first one. I work at a pizza joint. I was working the pickup, order, and cash counter, and I was giving a customer his pizza. He realized he forgot his debit card and went back to his car to get it. 
the other customer in the store, a lady whose small child had been running around screaming her head off, (laughs) asked if her order was ready yet. I said, let me go in the back and check. And I left uh, the first customer's pizza sitting on the counter. Big mistake. When I came back, the box was open, and said child had taken a piece out and was eating it. Appalled, uh, I stammered and tried to get the mother's attention. She was texting, excuse me, ma'am, if you could just control your child. She rolled her eyes and waved her hand at me. (laughs) Cue the first customer walking in, uh, staring from his pizza to the child to my horrified face. Thankfully, he was cool about it, but the mother seemed oblivious to what her daughter had done. (laughs) Another story. When I was about 16, I worked at a family-run pizza place. It's pizza place story time today. I worked at a pizza place. Uh, one day, I was working the lunch shift when a woman came in with her, with her kid. It was a toddler, around two years old. They got seated in a booth, and the first thing that the woman did was to take uh, the rectangular container of the neatly organized sweeteners, sugar, sweet and low, and the equal, and dump the entire thing onto the table for the kid to play with. Now, never mind that we had crayons and coloring sheets for children upon request. She didn't ask for the crayons or, heaven forbid, actually think to bring something for her child to play with. So the kid spent a few minutes tearing up the sweeteners, dumping the contents on the table, and flinging the wrappers all over the restaurant. Good times. I took her order, and when I brought back their drinks, the kid had moved onto the Parmesan cheese shaker. I watched him unscrew the cheese shaker while mom looked on and dumped the entire contents onto the table. He proceeded to lick the inside of the shaker and put his face down on the table and started licking the cheese and all of the assembled sweeteners. And at this point, I watched in horror. Mom stirred herself enough to remember that she was a human being in a public place. She took the cheese shaker away from the toddler who immediately started screaming. She scooped the remaining slobber cheese sweetener mixture off the table and put it back into the shaker. (laughs) And then put the shaker back into the holder on the table. She did not hand it to me and say, hey, gee, I'm really sorry. Allowed my child to do something so repulsive. You're probably going to want to empty this and put it through the dishwasher. No, she put it back in the holder. I guess in her mind, she had cleaned up. And it would be totally okay for future customers to eat her child's nightmarish slobber cheese sweetener concoction in blissful ignorance. Their pizza came. They ate it. And that's really the least eventful and least gross part of the meal. The story gets better, and by better I mean more uh, uh, appallingly awful. When they finished, I came to clear the pizza. (laughs) Sorry, laughing at my own jokes. Uh, I came to clear the pizza, and she asked for a box, and at this point the restaurant was full and bustling with the lunch rush. When I came back with the box uh, and the pizza uh, and the check, the toddler was lying on the table, and the mom was changing his diaper. His poopy diaper on the table. She was not even doing it on the bench of the booth, which might be marginally better if we were grading on a curve. She was doing it on the table. And the people at the surrounding tables, less than a foot away, because they weren't socially distanced, were wide-eyed and horrified and wrinkling their noses and staring at her. Because I was 16, I, was, I just maturely dropped the check, mumbled something incomprehensible, and fled the scene. You paid at the counter of the restaurant, so I didn't have to interact with her directly again. 
But the piece de resistance was when I went to clean the booth and I discovered she left the poopy diaper balled up underneath the table for me to deal with. You'll no doubt be shocked to learn that that was the tip that she left me. I cleaned the table and the benches with bleach and I took the cheese shaker and ran it through the industrial dishwasher 12 times. And to this day, I've never used one in a restaurant ever since. I don't think I ever will. (laughs) Kids in restaurants. Kids in restaurants. All right, let me read the scriptures this morning. You're wondering where on the world is pastor going this morning. I'm going to Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 and 15. The little children are brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But his disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he departed from there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for opportunities like Easter Sunday to bring uh, our friends, our loved ones, our coworkers, our neighbors, whoever uh, we happen to bring to church, not just Easter Sunday, but, Lord, as we're kind of getting ready, let us be reminded today why we do this. Lord, the, the kinds of powerful things that take place when we bring them to Jesus. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Everyone said? So I can remember lots of times going into restaurants with my kids and having glares from the non-kid people. And, uh, and now if Christine and I were to go uh, to have a restaurant experience that I pay for, you know, I, I would expect and you would expect appropriate behavior uh, in, in a restaurant. And there is inappropriate behavior. And this morning as we just kind of laugh at some of this um, and understand that kids are kind of kids, uh, Jesus is having a service and parents bring their children to the service And the disciples, for whatever reason, go into security guard mode, and they rebuke uh, the parents about the kids coming to the service. And it loses something in the translation. That means they expressed strong uh, disapproval, strong disapproval about the kids being there. And if you think about it, (laughs) uh, maybe... Maybe for good reason, as we just read some children's stories (laughs) and how kids, you mean no matter how much you explain to kids when they're at home in their own environment, you go into a new environment, uh, they go squirrely. Right, parents? All the parents said. (laughs) All the grandparents said. They go squirrely at the grandparents' house too. And so when when they're outside kind of of their environment and they're in a new environment, uh, they often do things uh, that would seem inappropriate. And, and so the children are brought, and the disciples rebuked or showed strong disapproval. Strong disapproval. I mean, after all, maybe they were going to eat Jesus' pizza. Maybe they were going to spill the Parmesan cheese. Maybe they are going to be some poopy diapers. I, I, I don't know, but they showed strong disapproval. Kids don't know the rules. This morning uh, at Harvest, you know, we'll just pause for a moment to say we love children. We love them in, the, in our services right now um, while uh, we're in the, this, the COVID adjustments. And uh, as soon as it's safe and we feel like we can do it, and I don't think it'll be that long, we'll be able to start children's programming again. But I think it's good to remember uh, that we have kids at Harvest. There's another generation up and coming, uh, drawing pictures and going to the treasure chest and, and soaking in, soaking in uh, things during the service, mom and dad, that you don't think they are, but they are soaking things in. And we have a great uh, children's program here and a children's budget and all those things, but I don't want to talk about kids today. This is not about kids. And so let's just pause it there and come back to our story. And I want you to think about instead of kids, I want you to think about people who don't know the rules if they're unchurched 
and they come to a service, and maybe like the kids, they just don't know how to behave or how to be. And at Harvest, as I explained last week, a number of years ago, we made some decisions that we wanted unchurched people in our services so that we could create clear pathways here at Harvest for people to find Jesus. Say, find him. We want people to find Jesus. But many churches have become a restaurant experience. Now, when I kind of make this comparison, I just want to say that whatever another church may choose to do, I'm not against that. I would never speak against it. I won't judge that. We are only accountable uh, for what we're doing at Harvest, and that can never be a reflection on another church, and so we don't compare. But we will look at ourselves. Say ourselves. We want to look at ourselves. And a number of years ago, we realized that um, we had kind of created a restaurant experience for people at church. And let me explain what I mean by that. That there is a small number of people in the room in a restaurant, a small number of people who make sure that hopefully a, a room full of people, restaurants want their, you know, the restaurant's full. We want it to be prosperous. We want it to be looking like it's, something's happening. And we have a restaurant full, few people working. The kitchen staff is humming and the servers are humming so that the restaurant patrons can be served and can be fed. So that they can be served and they can be fed. And many times I've heard people talk about when, they, when they're thinking about if they're a Christ follower and they're coming to Newtown, they're looking for a church. If they're used to kind of a, a church that has more of a consumer-based church environment, then they're going to look for a church that feeds them. They're going to say, uh, do, do they have good preaching of the word in that church? Am I going to get fed? I've been serving Jesus for 32 years, and I want good food. I know what good food is. I, I, I can study the scriptures, but on Sunday I want to come and I want to be fed. Now, I understand that. I don't want to be careful not to create a caricature of it. But quite frankly, if you've been, mar- been served for, or excuse me, if you've been saved for 32 years, you can feed yourself. And I'm just not that concerned about what you're eating on Sunday because I know you can feed yourself. Hello, somebody. We're going to make sure you get fed, and I'm going to do the best I can to create a diet here at Harvest. But if you create restaurant environments in churches and, the, and it's a few people serving and everybody else getting served and fed, you will have a church that will now have unclear pathways to Jesus because Because, like this uh, story we're reading, everything has to be neat and tidy, and we'll become a group of elite people. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll become oblivious of why we're here, because we're here to be served, and we're here to eat. And what happens is, when the children, and not children per se, but follow me my analogy, because it works really great, people who don't know the rules show up, and the disciples, the other Christ followers, go, no, no, don't mess up. What we've got going. Don't mess this up. Don't, 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 turn, don't, don't, don't turn it upside down. Don't, don't mess with what we've got going. And you can see that as the disciples didn't want their service disrupted, and they rebuked or strongly disapproved, Jesus answers, and by the way, we're getting used to and getting good at Harvest with Messy Church, and I told you last week, sometimes the complicated subjects come up, Somebody comes to church and, you know, they spill the Parmesan cheese and lick it. And, and look, I just don't have all the answers for that. I just don't. And we're not just going to lean in and try to get all the answers. 
But what we're going to say is more important is just creating those clear pathways. And this is more about a family gathering and throwing the food down on the table and having a party. And it's more about people discovering Jesus. And so Jesus responds that they didn't want a messy service or messy church because the kids were there, the people who didn't know the rules. And he said this, allow them to come to me. I love that phrase right there, allow them. And it's really in our hands, isn't it? Unchurched people coming to church, it's really, are you allowing? And we had to see a number of years ago, we said we wanted it. We were praying in prayer rooms for revival and saying, God, you know, save the city. And God was saying, I'm waiting. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm waiting for you to open your doors to allow them to come because they won't come to your restaurant. It's too fancy. <laughs> allow them to come. Don't hinder, prevent, or restrain them. Interesting. The kingdom belongs to them. The kingdom belongs to them. You've already discovered it belongs to you. Now create a pathway so they know it also belongs to them. The kingdom belongs to them. Last week we talked about how we changed a lot of things so that the unchurched could come and not feel hindered, prevented, or restrained. And we're still working on that. And we want to get better at that. We don't want a few people serving in a room. We want Every single person at Harvest serving. That's why as you go to step one, and we advertise step one if you're new, uh, you can go and find out what Harvest is about. We'll share in a much more comprehensive fashion than I'm doing this morning our vision to see people touched in this region, to see people come to know Jesus. And we believe that's a family job. We're all about that. And so when you make the decision to make Harvest your home church and uh, you say, yeah, I'm lining myself with this, and you take uh, what we call roots, you put your roots down, you'll learn about how to get involved in our dream team. And we want everybody who calls Harvest their church to be serving. Today they're wearing green shirts. Where it's not a few, but it's many people making a family environment where people can believe before, or excuse me, they can belong before they believe. We want people to know God and know him more every Sunday, every week, every day of their life. To find freedom from yesterday. To discover their purpose and to make a difference by functioning in the giftings that God has given them. Harvest, let's bring them to Jesus. We're not a restaurant. We, are, we want to be like the disciples were when Jesus fed the 5,000. We want to upgrade this so that the multitudes can be fed and meet Jesus. Am I speaking to the right group this morning? Amen. Can you shout out a little louder, make Pastor feel better? All right. So we're not, we're not the restaurant, and now let's transition and see what happens when we bring them to Jesus. I want to pick up a story in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we're going to read about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, in this period of time, what we would call rabbinic tradition, the Jewish people, uh, which is kind of the part of the world where the New Testament was written. And, and so uh, rabbis or teachers would have students that were called disciples or followers. So we say we are disciples or followers of our teacher, Jesus. And so at this time when Jesus uh, is in, you know, God, God on earth, uh, in the flesh, a human being, Jesus, he's a teacher. John the Baptist was a teacher. And John the Baptist had some students. And one day Jesus walks by. John the Baptist, knowing that Jesus was, the, was God in the flesh, was the one who was coming to save uh, the world from its sins, 
He points to Jesus in front of his, his students and goes, oh, by the way, that's the one who's here to, to, to deliver us from our sin. That's the lamb that will take away the sin of the world. Well, two of, his, two of John's uh, uh, quick studies, two of John's students go, well, what are we listening to you for? I mean, you're an intermediate, intermediate guy, the 101 class. We're going to take the graduate class with Jesus. And so two of, the, two of the, uh, his disciples change over. And I don't know if they went to the counselor that day and, and got a class change or how it all worked. I don't know how it all worked with the rabbis. But two of them skip class with John and go start following Jesus. One of them's name was Andrew. Andrew spends the day with Jesus that following day and is convinced this is who he says he is. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus, and that Christ is a title. His name was Jesus. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, Jesus who is from the Father, Jesus who is God in the flesh, all right? And so uh, he's convinced of that. And he goes home to bring Simon, his brother, back to meet Jesus. He's going to, we're talking this morning, let's bring them to Jesus. Let's pick up the story, John chapter 1. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and he told him, we have found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. As we look at the story today, and I want to unpack this quickly for you before our team comes back, and just to stir your faith to believe God next weekend uh, for people uh, who will come to Jesus, and in the weeks to follow, and as we just continue doing this uh, uh, week after week, Believing God to touch our region, uh, see campuses. Uh, that's we believe that uh, we're going to see harvest campuses in the region. I don't know what it'll all look like, but I'll be sharing some vision with you uh, in the weeks to come uh, about how we've actually decided to upgrade um, our online presence, even though we know we're going to be post-COVID. But we have found that uh, the on the, our online um, presence has actually been a doorway for people to come into our building without ever coming into our building. Do you remember when we did the survey weeks ago? You did a survey for, we were, we were in shutdown and we did a survey, but 100 people did the survey, if I remember the numbers right, and 30 people said they were new to Harvest this last year. 30 people came to Harvest during COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, what? What does he say? 30 people? What? (laughs) That's like a golf clap. You'll get it. I'm still trying to get it. And so we're going to talk about just getting behind this and give you an opportunity for us as a church to get behind this. And and, uh, we'll never stop what we're doing here, but just God is opening doors because his heart is longing because the kingdom belongs to them and they need to know. And And so Andrew goes to find his brother Simon. And we meet Peter. Uh, and we know if we've been around church for a little bit, we know that Peter's the loud, opinionated, probably argumentative, impulsive guy that starts with Jesus. And then three years go by, three and a half years goes by, and on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus dies, he's buried, he's resurrected. Right after Easter, uh, they are in the upper room. They come down full of the Holy Spirit. He preaches, and we see this impulsive, uh, opinionated, wishy-washy kind of a guy come in strength and lead uh, that church, first church service in the New Testament, and 3,000 people get saved. And we watch a transformation uh, of this man. This morning, just with a, bit that, a little bit of that backdrop, I want to come drop back in 
Drop back in. Let's bring them to Jesus. Let's drop back into the story. Simon's first encounter with Jesus. His first encounter. Say first. It's because his brother Andrew brought him. Now let's pick it up. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Again, there's something lost in the translation because in the original language, which happens to be Greek, but in the original language, the word he brought him (laughs) suggests strongly that Simon didn't want to go to church. (laughs) And he created some issues for his brother Andrew. It could have gone possibly, fast forward in today's vernacular, it could have gone something like this. Like when you ask your brother or your mom or your dad or your friend or your co-worker, not that much different, but you may ask them to come, and the response goes something like Simon's response. Oh, found the Messiah, did you? Got a little religion? Hey, good for you. You're going to that Harvest Christian Fellowship Church? That's awesome. What does that mean? Does that mean you're going to be goody two-shoes now? Does that mean you're better than I am? What does that exactly mean? I'm glad. Hey, listen, you do you and I'll do me. I'm not going. He brought him. And I wish the original language would clarify it more as we read some of this. But, but that's just for me to help you this morning see that that's probably exactly what's going on. What do you mean it'll be different at harvest? What do you mean? Religion's religion. I know all about it. I've met a few of those rabbis down at the bank. I've met a few of them down at different places in the marketplace. I know they're kind. Yeah, they stare at you, look you up and down, and they go, yeah, there's another one of those stinky fishermen, one of those hard-bitten fishermen, one of those guys that never come to synagogue, and if they do, they got to sit way at the back, and nobody really wants them there anyway. And I, I don't feel comfortable. What do you mean it's different? Not that different than what you might hear or I might hear when we invite somebody and bring them to Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, Andrew has a hard time, but eventually Simon comes. And I just think he comes because they have a relationship. And he doesn't bug him. He doesn't, you know, jam it down his throat or just in that relationship, hey, I would just love it if you'd come with me. And so, all right, he's a, he's a brother. He's going to come. So they, they show up. And, 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 and Andrew says, Jesus, Simon, Simon, Jesus. And then it says this in the scriptures. Looking intently at Simon. And Jesus does the very thing that Simon looked him up and down. Stared at him very awkwardly. <laughs> There's an awkward moment. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you meet someone and they're staring at you? And you're wondering if there's a little something, something on your nose. You start twitching. You know you're sure because they're looking right. They're looking right there. You're sure they are. Or you just had lunch. You just had lunch, and you're trying to clean your teeth with your tongue because I mean they're just looking. Say awkward. He's look. Say awkward. Good because your first awkward was awkward. And so and so you're looking at him really awkward, and it's like staring at him. And, and Peter. Peter's getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Peter's wondering what this is all about. And, and he's not Peter yet. Simon, Simon, he doesn't know what's going on. And Simon's just about to blurt out, go, oh, no, don't know. You look at, don't, don't pretend you know me. Don't look at me like you know me. You don't know me. Don't, don't, don't you dare pronounce some judgment over me right now. But Simon doesn't get the chance because Jesus begins to speak. The Bible says that God doesn't look on the outward appearance. 
He doesn't look at what a man has done or a woman has done. God's not interested in where you've been, but he sure is interested in his plan for your life of where you're going. He sure is interested to bless you. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And Jesus at that moment was more interested in the man, Simon, and where he was going. He knew, he knew well where Simon had been. He knew well all about Simon's life. But that wasn't important to Jesus at that moment. And Jesus says to him, your name is Simon, son of John. You have a a human lineage. You have a history. And Jesus was saying to him, I know who you are. I know what you've done. And I really don't care. But I also know where you're going. I also know the plans that I have for you. Your name is Simon, son of John. But, but, you will be called Peter. And Jesus was looking into the future of this impulsive Simon who stood before him that day. That day that Simon didn't exist anymore. Jesus was changing his identity. He spoke what divine grace would accomplish in the heart of Simon. And he said, you're now Peter, which literally that word Peter meant big boulder. Big boulder. Hey, everybody, this big boulder. This B.B., He's now one of my followers. I've got plans for him. And Jesus was speaking prophetically into the life of a man who, yes, had a history. Yes, was human and done some stuff. But Jesus was declaring, because remember, the kingdom belongs to them. Let them come unhindered. Let Jesus look into their heart. Let them know that they're loved at a heart level, not judged on the outside by what they have done, but God embracing who they are and who he died so that they could be what he died for. Go ahead. If you're going to clap, clap well. (laughs) Yes. If I could have the team come. When Jesus speaks out, sorry, Ocean, did I scare you? When Jesus speaks out who we truly are, changes our identity. Andrew didn't try to change Simon before they got to church that day. That's not our job. We can't change anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But let's bring them to Jesus. We are the ones that can bring them and create space that is unhindered, unrestrained. And as Jesus said, don't don't tell them they can't come. In fact, do everything you can so that I can place my hands on them. I can touch them. I can speak destiny into their lives. Well, children and adults alike, but today in the analogy, not a restaurant, but a place where we create unhindered pathways for people to find Jesus. I know that's your heart. I know that's my heart. But at Harvest, as I would say today, let's bring them to Jesus. Let's get more intentional and more intentional as we approach next Easter Sunday, more intentional about creating these pathways. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to have him look at your life, and you might say, I don't want him looking into my heart. It's pretty messy in there. You go, he knows. He already knows. The Bible says that he literally stands at your heart's door and he knocks. And he said, could I come in? We're the ones that have to open the door of our life and allow Jesus in. And even though our lives are a mess, and the Bible says we are sinners, we've sinned against God, we've sinned against people, 
that Jesus is willing to come in and clean our life in a way that you and I could never clean ourselves, to accept us and forgive us, and then more than that, to transform us. Can you imagine coming back to church service three years later and see Peter in action? I had the privilege this week. I, I As a pastor, I, I, man, I, to get to do what I get to do, it's such an honor and a privilege to sit with people, to sit with people who only a very short time ago came to harvest and, and just it was all brand new, but to begin listening to the story of their heart unfold, the transformation take place, not because their behaviors are changing, but because their heart is lining up with the transformation of what God said they are. I am who he says I am. It's such a privilege. Today, if you're here and you've never made that decision to begin your life with Jesus, I'd like to invite you to do that. He's knocking today on somebody's heart's door, either online or here in the room. And if that's you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of invitation. I'll count down from three. I'll simply go three, two, one. When I get to one, just put your hand up where I can see it. And you're saying, Pastor, include me in a prayer today. And I'll invite you to pray it with me. If that's you and you're in the room, you've never done this, or it's been a long time since you have, and you're just not sure where you are today, and you'd like to have a fresh start with him, then I'd invite you at three, two, yes, it's for you, and one. Would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Is there anyone in the room? Anyone in the room today? All right. No one raised their hand, perhaps online. And if that's you online, just put, um, I, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And then simply pray a very simple prayer, Lord, come in, forgive my sin. Thank you. Thank him for it. And then know that you are born again. You're beginning your new life with Jesus. As a teaching moment right here, um, some of you would not know that when the Lord began to speak to me about changing harvest, and creating spaces where people could get saved. Someone, many of you would know Mike Couture. You would know that name. Mike's since passed away and gone on to be with Jesus. He's in heaven today. Mike loves sharing his faith. He loves seeing people come to Jesus. He said to me many years ago, he said, would you like to see more people get saved at Harvest? And I said, I would love that. He said, why don't you give an opportunity at the end of service for people to get saved? And I said, because I look around, I see everybody in the room, and I know who they are, and I know they're all saved. He said, you need to give an invitation, whether they are or they're not. And he challenged me that day, and I made a decision that he was right, and I made a decision that we would ask at the end of every service if somebody was here that needed Jesus. The first six months, I think it was closer to a year, no one raised a hand. No one. It was painful at the end of a service to be all excited because we hadn't quite got to the place where we were bringing yet. And then something clicked in my heart and in our church's heart. And literally since that time, hundreds of people have been saved at harvest. Hundreds of people. <laughs> this year will be no, no exception. And there are Sundays. There's Sundays where there isn't someone who makes that decision we're okay with that. There's a teaching moment. Just talking about this. I am never uncomfortable when there isn't a hand. I don't need anybody to fudge it or fake it or go, you know, you don't, nobody, it, it's okay. It's okay. But it is a time for you and I, I'm giving the invitation, a teaching moment, 
for you at your seats just to begin praying. Those of you that know Jesus, just begin praying. Next week, do this. Just quietly say, Lord, right now in this very holy moment, let their hearts feel safe enough to take that step to go, yes, I'm in. And that simple prayer as we corporately pray, it gets rid of some spiritual hindrances because sometimes the enemy's trying to hinder. And we can pray against that and create open pathways in prayer in those moments. All right? I appreciate you just kind of being patient with me this morning. Let me explain some of that. We've got some prayer requests today that we're going to yeah, pray for. Yeah, we do. Ministry team's coming. We're, we're just praying for the Gautier family, specifically their daughter, Bianca. Uh, for El Rezar and Atar, who yep, are watching, watching this morning. Hi, guys. Somebody from um, Germany's watching, too. I- wow. Turk, El Rezar and Atar, for those that don't know, are from Turkey. So they're watching this morning. But they are so close. They are finishing up the final paperwork. And we're just praying that yep. for Expedition, that they yep, will coming, just be here yep, to come coming to, to Canada. Yep. And even more, they'll be here at Harvest. Um, for Candy, Candy, we love you. We know love that she's you, watching. She had emergency surgery this week. She had appendix. Appendix, her yep. appendix ruptured, and she had to have surgery. So Candy's at home recovering. Yep. We just want to cover her in prayer. And we're praying for Sue Kreitz this morning because uh, Sue has second-degree burns. And um, we're praying for Sue as well. Um, you know, God sees those prayer requests. Nice, We've yeah. been made aware of some things in the last 24 hours yeah, of people that are pressing yeah. in. Yep, and, and have gotten diagnosis. Yeah. And uh, we're going to come against that. And we're Amen. just going to pray that yes. tomorrow, you know, that the song we sing, there is pain in the night, but joy comes in joy the morning. In and, the you morning. know, in the moments of, of those times that we're told and that pain. And we're just, let's press in this morning. Yeah, Father, we're coming this morning, God. And Thank we're, you, we're asking for you, Jesus. Yes, we're Lord. asking for mercy. We're asking for grace, God. Father, we're praying for this, this Gautier family and for their daughter, Bianca, God. We're just praying whatever the situation is yes, here, Lord. God. You know what yes, it is. Yes, we don't Lord. need to know details, God, because you know you the details, know, God. We're praying, Father, for that for that daughter, God. We're praying Thank for Ella Rezar and Atar, God, yeah, that you will expedite, expedite the paperwork. Bring them to harvest. So, God, they can be not only in Cornwall, but here at home, God. Bring them home, Thank God, you, to harvest. You, Bring them home to Cornwall, Father. We're Jesus. praying for Candy this morning. God, I pray a special yeah. grace over Candy this morning, God. Just pour over her, Father. Yes, I'm Lord. praying for, for her just for a speedy recovery, yes, God, Lord. for expedited recovery, yes, for Sue Christ, for this burn, God, yep. that Restore you will just, skin. God, pain, that there will be no infection, right, God, that there right, will be no right. complications, God, that you will Thank just you, re- will just protect her and cover her, God. You, for Jesus. these for these prayer requests, God, that have come in in these last 24 hours, God, for diagnosis that we come against. And we say in the name of Jesus that yep, there well, will be a different diagnosis yes, yes, tomorrow, yes, God. Yes. There will be a different come prescription on. written tomorrow, yes, God, because right. you can do this overnight, God. Thank and tomorrow when doctors say, wow, where did it go? It's gone. God, for for those that are in the hospital today, God, comfort them. Comfort, God, wrap comfort, your arms around comfort, them. Comfort. Let them feel your protection, comfort, Jesus. Lord. Let them feel your love, God. In this world of COVID, we're not everybody can go into hospitals, but Jesus, you can go anywhere. Thank you, Lord. God, you can be that one in the hospital room. God, we thank you this morning, Father, that you're a God of love. God, you're a God of patience. Thank you, Jesus. You're a God of healing, Father. We yes. just want to worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We want to thank you in thank your name. You, Father, we just pray for next weekend services. 
Lord, those that have already been invited, those that will be invited, and even though they might kick up a fuss like Simon did, there's going to be some Simon to Peter stories next weekend. Lord, we thankful, we thank you for that. And just this week, Lord, as we continue praying, Lord, creating an atmosphere in this place of faith, an atmosphere of acceptance, an atmosphere of miracles in this place, Lord, next weekend. We thank you, Lord. You'll show yourself strong. And, and Simons will be converted to Peters in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. If you're believing for anything this morning, like our, our prayer team is here. Yeah. Come on down and get prayer. Get prayer. Just Some move out of your have. seat. Yep. Um, yeah. You know what? It's, it's not that you want to come and ask. It's that you don't want to do it alone. You want to join with someone. It says where two or more are there. You know, I'm Amen. in the midst. And so come and get prayer. Um, if you have a prayer request, please leave us a voicemail. A voicemail. Do you know we match? Yeah, we do. Who dressed you this morning? You, did. you dressed me. You told me what to wear. <laughs> uh, leave us a voicemail and prayer request on the screen. Small groups are open again. Yeah. If you head on over to hdfcornwall.com. It's going to be a great time. Are you, you keep cutting me off. <laughs> no, I'm just helping you. Did you get that? It's hdfcornwall.ca slash small groups. Go there and register for a small group. You won't regret not <laughs> Not joining a small group. You need to join a small group. Um, for those who you. are watching, there's nothing like being in the room. It here, is. you read this part here. Okay. There's nothing like actually being in here in the room. But in order to be in the room, you have to go and register to be able to get here. So please go and register. HCFCormall.ca slash register. You can Next week's services stuff. are nine. Different times, nine. Say nine. 10.30 and 12. All right. Only one is streamed. One is streamed. Yep, Which one? In the middle so one. Ten thirty. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Good Friday. Everyone online is ten thirty. Let everybody know it's only one service. Yep. And our Good Friday service, which is the believer service, meaning we're having communion together. Yeah. We'll have those nifty one and all, so it's sanitary and safe, and uh, and we'll be enjoying uh, communion together to celebrate his death, his burial, his resurrection. Well, Harvest, that's the end of our service. Hey, God it's so you. awesome to see you so all in the, in the room and online. We love you all. Have a blessed, fabulous week. We'll see you next week.